0: to Microdosing, where we focus in on very specific topics that represent larger trends in healthcare. Here in season three, I'll be speaking with other healthcare podcasters to learn more about the trends in their space and get a sampling of other podcasts we all might want to follow. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Jeff Terry, CEO of GE Healthcare's command center business and host of the Real Time Healthcare Podcast. For those not familiar with GE Healthcare's command center business, please look it up. It's one of GE Healthcare's fastest growing businesses and operates more similarly to a startup. And that's what I love about the Real-Time Healthcare podcast that Jeff hosts. While successful CEOs come in all shapes and sizes, I have a bias that startup CEOs need to be more evangelistic. When you're selling something new, a CEO's passion and commitment says a lot to both his or her employees and customers. Being seen and heard by customers and employees is critical, and podcasts are one of many great tactics to use. Jeff touches on that point, as well as many others. Jeff, welcome to Microdosing.
1: Hi, Paul. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I always like to dive right in. First question being, what came first, the idea for the podcast or the idea for podcasting?
1: I think the idea for the podcast, we had for years wanted to tell the story of our users to our other users, you know, the clinicians that we serve, what are you doing? And it's, it's innovative, it's exciting, it's interesting, Mm -hmm. but how do you bottle that and, and share it with others? COVID created a sort of was the serendipity in that when COVID hit, everybody became very comfortable going on to Zooms and things and turning their cameras on. So in the past, it had been, let's get a camera crew to Orlando and schedule a conference room and have a big setup to do these. And all of a sudden it was, oh, wait a minute. We can just get on a Zoom call together, hit record, and there's your podcast. We made it easy to do something we already wanted to do. And lo and behold, it had a really good reception from the membership.
0: And what's interesting about your podcast, which contrasts to some of my other podcast hosts whose kind of core business is the podcast, this is a piece of a larger portfolio of what you all are working on with the command centers, but would love to have you talk more about the role of the podcast as a a piece of the portfolio of of other things that you're working on.
1: Absolutely. We think of our role as a technology provider for sure, but also in the as thought leaders in what is a healthcare command center, what's command center medicine, how are real-time tools used, what can you do with a longitudinal real-time data model, real-time forecasting, all of these things. And and, and our clients look to us for that thought leadership. And we've tried many ways to get our thinking out there and, and push the thinking along with others. And the podcast became a great vehicle for that, for us to interview clients that we serve, to share those vignettes, also to interview other and some of my favorite podcasts, we did a series, I think, of six episodes with the CEOs of other healthcare startups. And you could say in some cases, there was a little bit of competition, but for the most part, it's a huge problem space. It's more complimentary than not. And I think that I think was in keeping with our larger commitment to clients, which is to bring you technology and to keep you on the forefront of how these tools are being used in healthcare and what does that innovation really look like in a practical way.
0: Yeah, I think that's so key, particularly in large, complex B2B relationships is, yes, the, the customer or the client wants to understand how it works. But they also want to understand or see other people like them that have gone through the journey before them because there's so much in that storytelling that doesn't come out through the the specs and the documents and the SOWs. So it's a, it's a it's very important tool that I think you're, you're bringing to light.
1: Thank you. And I couldn't agree more because it's so funny. Once you generalize, it sort of loses value. Then you say... Yeah. You could say, well, what is all of this work? Well, we put in new technology and change processes to improve outcomes and efficiency. Well, okay. And it's only when you zoom in on Advent Health and Johns Hopkins at Tampa General and talk about ICU downgrades and how the intent that it, it comes to life and then others can you know put their own organization sort of in, in that framework and get inspired about the possibilities.
0: Right. And particularly, I think everybody can appreciate this is if you've seen one health system, you've seen one health system, but they all ask, where have you done it with this health system like us? Like, well, you don't exist anywhere else, but you can pull out a slice going, well, for your urban location that's academic, this is an interesting story. For your rural locations that are more critical access oriented, this story, but you can kind of pull together your own tapestry that makes sense for your respective system, because I don't know any systems that are you know, twins in any way, shape, right. or form.
1: They're all different, but hopefully by seeing real vignettes from other organizations, they hear echoes of themselves. And I so, and to your point, but I sometimes chuckle, you, you will meet clients and you kind of, as you're in the get to know you phase, they'll say, you know, our, our surgeons can be really tough to accept change. Well, that's, that is universal, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, but how have people worked on some of these problems and made progress and so forth?
0: And then going back to a little bit of the, the different formats that you've had, have you largely stuck with the same format, or have you adjusted it? Or it seems like you've kind of maybe done some sub seasons in there. But would love to get uh, some learnings from from what you've gone through with the, the format and the structure of the podcast.
1: Two big le- learnings that we that we've changed. One is not to rehearse. When we first did it, we'd get the guest on and we'd kind of talk through it. Mm-hmm. And then we'd say, okay, now let's hit record and do it again. And you lose the magic, you know, Mm -hmm. the jokes better the first time people are trying to remember what they said. It just wasn't authentic. So we stopped, we sent the questions in advance, but we just shoot it. And it's, I think the newer episodes are much better uh, in that regard. And then the other lesson I think has been to always keep it focused on practical topics and then organizing those into series a bit so that the viewer can find a way to latch on to similar topics.
0: An interesting piece about your podcast Many organizations tend to assign that to a, a journalist or a marketer. In your instance, you're, you're the CEO of GE's command center business, and you're a very evangelistic uh, CEO, and would love for you to talk a little bit more about how you view yourself as the marketer, as the face of GE command centers and the importance of the of CEO playing that role for essentially a, a startup within a bigger enterprise.
1: Absolutely. It's such an insightful question. My sense is it can only work, you know, startup innovation can only work with an evangelical leader who is the face of it. There's two reasons for that. One internal, one external. The internal reason is there has to be one person who listens to the client talks to the engineers, talks to the product managers, and makes sure that it all lines up. And that's particularly difficult when it's a new product because it doesn't exist. Nobody knows how it should line mm-hmm. up. And so getting the thousand details started, there has to be one person who sees that. And I think that's true in you know any new product, new business formation. I think externally, it's also critically important. And maybe this is even more so in big companies, that the client has to believe in someone. You know, we're doing enterprise software. We're taking on tough problems that people have worked on before with granular, fast-moving, complicated data, stakeholders. Things have to be precise and that takes years to you know imagine contract implement do refine prove that's a 3 year cycle and as we know in big companies there can be turnover you know that's faster than that and the the customer has to know yes ge but more than that who is looking me in the eye and saying this is going to work and they're going to see it through when a company is mature it's great you know there's a there's a marketing manager and there's a delivery manager and there's a customer satisfaction manager and that all works but when something is new you're defining what it is you're making commitments to do things that haven't been done before and so i think that single Leader mm-hmm. who's out in front is essential to get the customer to trust and to make sure that the product actually delivers.
0: Absolutely, I, I think that's so critical because in that space with uncertainty and innovation, if the leader of that isn't confident and optimistic, it's hard to see that exist anywhere else in the organization. It's great to see that you're bringing to that because you've been working on. How long have you been working on the command center? It's been a long time. It's this has been a, a this has been really your pride and joy for, for a big <laughs> chapter of your life, and would love to hear more about that as well as all the great stuff that you guys are working on this year.
1: You're very kind. Yes, we have been working on this now for. I I guess command center, we're into our ninth year Mm -hmm. of working on this. We had our first command center go live at Johns Hopkins in 2016. So that's, but of course we were working on it before that as we were imagining these concepts and then creating the software platform and so forth. This work grew out of consulting. So it grew out of let's improve your patient flow processes. And through that, we got, I think it's fair to say, on the cutting edge of of what are modern and effective patient flow processes and governance structures and things. And then we, we saw at some point, oh, the process improvement can only take you so far. And then the caregiver is limited by what they don't know. They can't see it, so therefore they can't action on it. Our initial role in the thought leadership was to sort of start to Pinpoint what are the limits to better effectiveness with the cu- customers we are already serving, and then imagine with them wow, what if we were to implement software, real time software? And then uh, pro- doing a problem back to create that software that's now evolved into a, into a relatively mature software platform. We call the command center software platform now in 250 hospitals. Yep. Uh, interestingly, we've built about 30 apps. We go forward with about 20 apps. It's actually come down a bit as things have re- you know, what's really been a home run. Uh, but all the while trying to, and I think our the clients that we serve expecting us to play, to be on the cutting edge of thinking about co-locating functions and having a command center use of real-time tools. How do you manage patient flow? How do you actively manage quality? And, and so that's where the podcast I think is a natural fit in that.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, I want to come back to the podcast with one more question. What should we be looking out for excited for with uh, the command centers this year?
1: the biggest thing for us is going beyond the hospital we do some of that today but really taking that to the next level with your end to end patient pathway management we have so much digitized in the acute encounters now where it's the most complex and the t- and most time sensitive and now extending that to manage the pathway is a natural next step. And I think you'll see that. But that's the overall, the, the, next, the next hurdle for us is non-hospital.
0: Yeah, it's so relevant as the, the decentralization of healthcare begins to blossom and bloom. So back to the podcast, when you kind of look back on the, the, the 48, 50 episodes you've done, like what have been a couple of your, your favorite memories that stand out?
1: Uh, I love interviewing the clients that we serve. We serve a lot of clients. There's been you know Miranda from Duke and Jim Shule and from Johns Hopkins. These are people that you know we deeply serve, right? They really have put their trust in us and and we've made them happy and and delivered a lot of value for them. And I just love talking to them. I, I just said such deep admiration for their work and their skill and their consistency and their persistence. and i and I just love it. Those are some of my favorites. Another one that I I really enjoy was interviewing uh, Moodit Garg, who's CEO of Qventus, which is probably the closest to a competitor that we've had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But his thinking and our thinking is very similar in terms of, hey, let's make things easy for caregivers to be efficient. And so it was really fun to frickin' frack with a guy on a similar wavelength.
0: That's great. That's great. The other thing I've noticed is, particularly when you're working with clients, is a lot of organizations will be asking questions like, well, what's it like to work with you? And it's so hard to describe that. But when you listen to your podcast, you can see the camaraderie and and the blending of cultures that you have with your clients. That's just so hard to express anywhere else, which I think is very interesting.
1: You're very kind. I I think that's true. I hope that people see that when they watch the the podcast. And I I think as an organization, we take a lot of pride in how we do blend our culture and and try to adapt to the client's culture, Mm -hmm. the culture of caregivers and serve them it's gratifying for me to hear that comes through in the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's re- very genuine to you, to your earlier point about we don't do pre-interviews as much anymore because just the authenticity of that conversation is just so relevant to so many people.
1: It's part of it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last question, if you could go back uh, before your, your first episode and tell yourself one thing, what would it be?
1: just do it. It's been a success. It's been painless. You know, We probably talked about it for six weeks before we did it. And uh, really, once we started doing it, it's been pretty straightforward. Plus that one little tip about don't rehearse because a couple of times I we were, were re- recording, I thought, gosh, this was so much better five minutes ago.
0: I love the just do it phrase because if, if Jeff Terry could write a leadership book, that would probably be the title <laughs> of the book. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story today. It's been a pleasure having a conversation with you. My pleasure. Likewise. Great to
1: see you, Paul. Thank you so much for this.
0: Thank you for listening to Microdosing. For more content like this, please follow me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash n slash shrimp or on Twitter at Paul Shrimp. Until next time, cheers.